Welcome to Roast Into Review, the show where every week we pick something we feel nostalgic for. We then revisit and review it to find out whether or not our hindsight truly is 2020, or if we've just been wearing rose-tinted glasses. I'm your host, Connor O'Keen, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Michael Gerbaz. Yes, and welcome to the Podcanus. That's Latin for podcast. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, this week, of course, we are hitting up Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny, the 2006 stoner comedy musical mm-hmm. uh, film about the comedy rock duo Tenacious D. The film was written, produced, and stars the members Jack Black and Kyle Gass and follows the fictitious accounts of the band's origins and their journey to retrieve a, a magical pick Forged from Satan's broken tooth. Very goofy, very weird. I say that's very metal. Oh, very metal, undeniably <laughs> metal. But also, it's it's. I it's mean, it's goofy, very tenacious D. It's metal, undeniably yeah. rock and roll and and utterly absurd. And the reason I wanted to hit this one up is less to do with my nostalgia for the movie. I don't. I've only seen the movie once. I watched it when it was when I watched it when it came out. I would have been you know fourteen. Uh, on a friend's recommendation, and the movie didn't do that much for me, but the soundtrack rocked my shit, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll get into that, of course. But um, the reason I wanted to revisit it is because I recently went and saw the Foo Fighters uh, have released a horror film called Studio Six Six Six, and it's kind of a horror comedy schlocky, okay, goofy thing. And I mean, we'll talk about this on the blind spot. I'm gonna have to draw some comparisons here, <laughs> but it's fucking bad. Right, like it's not good. Yeah, if if the Foo Fighters weren't had didn't have anything to do with this, you would not waste your time. Yeah, yeah, wholly unremarkable. Besides the besides their inclusion, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. There are moments within the Studio Six 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 film where uh, Dave Grohl is basically doing Jack Black in like. You know, oh, the song goes like, and then you go and like doing the Jack oh. Black shtick, but it's kind of, it's just you know, no one does it like Jack Black, and anytime someone tries to do it, you go, oh, they're trying to do Jack Black, oh, but no one can do it like Jack Black. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're a hack, hack exactly, black. <laughs> hack Black, yeah, Jack Hack. Um, but I have nothing but respect for for you know Dave Grohl and and his um contributions to rock and roll and music in general and his contributions to Tenacious D. He played uh, drums and guitar on their first album. He plays the devil in this movie. He's he's friends with these dudes. Yeah. And right. so you'd, you'd hope with the, the, the um, you know, connections and the pedigree that he's coming from, <laughs> they'd produce something a bit better. But anyway, I saw the movie and I came out of it going, there's moments in there where he's kind of doing a Jack Black and I was hoping for something... I don't know, a little more akin to, to Pick a Destiny, at least what I remembered of it. Mm. So I wanted to revisit it and kind of see how they compared. Yeah, uh, cool. And, I mean, like, this is far better. Pick a Destiny <laughs> is a far better is a far better movie and it, it I mean, it's super creative. It utilises the medium um, where Studio 666 looks, like, a- amateurish. Right, right. This looks like there's a, a team of, of people who understand film language and how to ring it for what it's worth. You know, yeah, for, for yeah. comedic gold or for some stylistic stuff. 
yeah, stylistic. Like it still, it kind of looks cheap and and not super like cinematic, but it no, it definitely, no, it's a, it's a comedy. It looks like a two thousand and six stoner. But it comedy. looks like that buddy stoner comedy kind of thing, like a Giant Silent exactly. Bob or a Dude Where's My Car. Yeah, or a Harold and Kumar, Bill and Ted, that sort of thing. And I think it, I think it can sort of, you know, it 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 can, you know, hold its own in the ring against those guys. Absolutely, I think uh, in terms of stoner comedies, this is one of the better ones. I would say I'm I'm not a big fan of stoner comedy. Fucking shock horror <laughs> for a man who for the doesn't man that like to read and, yeah. and comedies, uh, but yeah. never the two um, shall mix. <laughs> no, because when they do, it's fucking. It's not very funny. Like it's not really funny. It's funny to stoned idiots. Mm. But then a lot of stuff is funny to stoned idiots, so maybe you don't. Well, that's the thing. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Like, <laughs> and I think this this is the first instance uh, I, I can recall of a friend recommending a movie to me. It was this friend that I've talked about on this show previously where we would swap movies in, in year eight. Um, and this was one that he was like, you've got to check this movie out, dude. It's so fucking funny. Like, it's hilarious. Um, I want to quote all these bits at you. I want, like, this will be our new thing. He sent me the Kickapoo uh, track like the the a clip of it on YouTube, and he sent me the Bielsa Boss track and again a clip on YouTube. And I watched, and I was like, if the whole movie's like this, fucking a, I'm in. But I mean, those two numbers kind of bookend the the movie, and and what's in between. There are some really fucking good stuff in there, and there's some stuff where I'm smiling, but I'm not laughing out loud. I don't think this movie is hilarious from beginning to end, but I think it's consistently amusing and very charming, thanks to. Jack Black and Kyle Gass. Yes, I would agree with that. Very charming. And so at the time, I think I went in with my expectations set too high and this friend really saying like, no, you're going to love this movie. It's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. And going, eh, it's just stoner gags and fart jokes. Like, yeah. I mean, the film is bookended not only by the two best musical numbers in the film and the two coolest, like kind of, I'd say like set piece musical numbers, but also by two really yeah. low-brow fart gags. It's like pre- and post-credit fart gag. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, it's, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Going back to it, I had, I, I want to say a lot of fun. I would say enough fun with this movie. I think I'd gladly watch it again at a, at a friend's like movie night or, or whatever, um, and I'm, I'm keen to get into it with you. But uh, my two biggest takeaways from it this time were that, A, it's definitely leagues better than Studio 666, and B, I think it is where Studio 666, I come I, I, I going, this is going to have a cult following in the sense that it's just going to be for fans of the Foo Fighters who want to see their favourite band be in a movie for, for two hours. This is a cult movie in the best possible way because it is kind of uh, niche enough and kind of it's on the back of these two uh, very like self-motivated dudes making something they love. And I think that enthusiasm and that love shines through and it's competent. I would, I would say it not even just competent enough, like genuinely competent in the departments it needs to be. There's, there's good shit in here. It, it's deserving. This is deserving of its cult status. This earns its cult status where studio 666 is like given cult status by default. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I get what you mean. So what, what are, what are your, uh, what's your previous experience with this movie? Had you seen it before? I had seen it before, just the once, similar to you. I don't think I saw it until I was around like 17 or 18 or like I was, so I was a little bit late to it. Mm-hmm. Although I did, I did know of Tenacious D only from, I remember when, probably when it came out, I don't know when, uh, when Tribute came out. I remember yeah, hearing yeah, yeah. that and loving Tribute. Oh, I think that was pretty much everyone outside of, um, like California's uh, 
first exposure to that that band and that song like that's that song just blew the fuck up yeah yeah and it's amazing like i loved it as a kid it's super cool really funny yeah uh yeah i love it's got the classic jack black lyrics kind of the way that it's written and it's this funny idea of a song that it's not the best song in the world because they forgot the best song in the world so they're singing a song about the time they sung the best song in the world Okay, but it's hilarious. It's funny. like it's, it's really it good. takes that um that larger than life rock and roll, you know, uh and and heavy metal posturing of like Ronnie James Dio and Black Sabbath and and all that stuff and it's funneled through these like slacker dudes, these yeah, fucking yeah. bums, you know, it's fucking awesome. It's it's such a a clever formula. Yeah, and I'm guessing, I'm assuming you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the vibe that it's sort of it's aping off of that shit while while still being uh like still respectful to the source material, even yeah, though it's absolutely. aping off of it. Can, it's not just shitting yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah, you can see it's coming from a place of love and uh, I don't know, uh, uh, an understanding of the the fundamental absurdity of that stuff and how how much fun it is. Yeah, yeah, it seems like they get it. If they didn't, if they didn't understand that, it wouldn't like ring as true. It would fall flatter. Absolutely, and it helps that they're both great, like good musicians as well. The songs are really fucking well written. Yeah, yeah. It's that that thing that you get with like uh, like a Tim Minchin that like when yeah. you're that talented that you can play like a musical instrument really well, but you're also that talented in comedy that you're actually legitimately funny, and mm. you can like mix those two together. That's a that's a special like kind of crossover that not a lot of people can do. Yeah, There's not definitely. a lot of musical comedians around. Mm. So I loved 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 tribute. And I don't know if I understood that he was like, it was like an actual band because it was Mm. like a comedy song Mm. at the time. It was like, oh, was this from something that I didn't know about or something? And then Mm. I would have seen Jack Black films like Shallow Hal and School of Rock uh, before seeing Pick a Destiny. And then Mm. still not, I don't think when I saw it, I fully understood that they were like Tenacious D was their real band in real life. Mm Mm-hmm. I was just kind of watching it for a movie, like very much like a Jane Silent Bob and Dude Where's My Car was like my biggest previous experiences with that that I drew the the closest um, like comparisons. Yeah, comparison that I was like, oh, this is really like this. They're like on a road trip and they've got to do this thing and they're coming across all these wacky characters and yeah. And then I was kind of a little bit disappointed that Tribute wasn't in the movie because it feels like this is the story. Yeah, of yeah. Of it as well. At least like like played in the end credits or something. Yeah. Because they end with the joke that they couldn't remember the song after beating the yes. devil. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I like. I think that's fun. That's it really is funny. fun. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff in this uh in this movie. There's a lot of callbacks to their albums and skits within the albums and the HBO show that they had, the very short-lived HBO show that they had. I mean, the 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 band is kind of uh on a very large scale kind of culty like they're like they have this kind of uh when they they started out as part of a like an actor um a theater troupe uh, called the actors gang that was uh formed in california by a, a group of uh a group of actors tim robbins being one of them who features in this movie jack and kyle met through that uh kind of initially didn't get along apparently but found mutual you know interest in music and all that and um it seems so funny to think that they didn't get along initially yeah when yeah you see him now you just, just it's just like oh my god but i mean i guess that's how those friendships are forged you yeah know? yeah that's cool 
they started writing their own music together in the early 90s, initially not writing uh, writing one one song together that was not comedic and then kind of working on the idea for tribute, the early idea for tribute and realising the, the potential for this to be funny. Mm-hmm. And on the back of that, doing the kind of the very tongue-in-cheek I mean, their, their stage name for a while was the Axe Lords featuring uh, Gorgazon's Mischief, like just really <laughs> going hog wild with the kind of like spinal tapisms, I guess you would call them. And that took them up to about 97 where uh, through Bob Odenkirk and David Cross getting to produce uh, three half an hour shows based on the band uh, with a kind of not necessarily a framing device, but uh, episodes often t- tail ended with them performing at open mic nights, um, the, the way that they perform in, in this movie. Cool. I didn't know that yeah, they like yeah. worked with those guys because that that makes a lot of sense. That sort of that uh, Mister Show uh, dynamic that they have, mm. um, helping sort of inform their their journey. That's really cool. Yeah. On the back of that, uh, HBO wanted to renew the series for ten episodes, but they wanted them to kind of relinquish their uh, executive producer rights and just produce music for the show. Uh, and they're like, no, oh, no, we don't want to do that. <laughs> that sounds pretty um, shit, actually. Yeah, it sounds kind of shit. I think I'm going to fuck off, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm fucking out of here. On the back of that, they produced their debut self-titled album with Tribute and uh, Wonder Boy and, and all these other tracks that, that kind of put them into the, the spotlight. But there's archival footage of, like, banter backstage at, at very early shows where they talk about, like, making a movie and how that would be that would be the pinnacle, that would be the best thing ever. So it was conceptualised quite early on. It went through a few different versions and ideas. One involved them looking for Atlantis. Uh, <laughs> very little is known about that one. Um, and in about 2003, uh, they signed with New Line Cinemas to create a Tenacious D film uh, with Liam Lynch as the director, who directed the tribute video. Now, do you do you recall the name Liam Lynch for any reason? Is that in your head at all? Oh, maybe, but that doesn't. Okay, there was a song in in like the early two thousands called "The United States of Whatever." Do you remember that? Uh yeah, yeah, I think so. Liam Lynch was the guy who made that song. Okay, <laughs> and I remember like when I saw the the name come like directed by Liam Lynch in uh, for this film, I was like. Wait, United States of whatever guy? <laughs> and sure, sure enough, it's United States of whatever guy um, who had a lot of experience working with bands uh, on music videos and stuff. And I think it kind of it shows like <laughs> there are star wipes and stuff in this movie. You know, it, yeah. it feels like a, a fun, if not exactly super flashy, high production values. Like high production values enough in the ways that it needs to be. Yeah, like, yeah. I when think they, so. they they have like some fantastic little set piece moments and it's like that's where the budget went fuck yeah yeah totally but through having that kind of long history that build up to this moment really doing their own thing and and garnering a a fan base on the back of that kind of weird uh self-aware kind of take on on what they did where you kind of your initial impression of them if it's if it's through like tribute or whatever you do go wait are these guys a real band is this like what is the where yeah. does the shtick end and the real guys begin because it's really it's almost hard to tell totally totally and by the time they get to this movie there's all these kind of throwbacks to their own like pre-established lore i guess like lee the character lee uh there's he he appears in the uh in the tv show there's a song called lee on the first album about lee that's from the tv show and he was involved in their live shows as well um the band uh kyle's wearing a train wreck shirt and that's the name of the band that he and uh jr reed who plays lee uh that's their band 
So there's all these kind cool. of like little little nods and and things for like the diehards, you know, the the, the real cult members. And then the other D. people that aren't the cult members are going like, wait, is this all real? Like, I can't yeah, tell. Exactly. <laughs> is this all part of the bit? So, yeah, there's a lot to, and, and I think when I first saw this movie, I was far less familiar with that uh, aspect of their work. Mm-hmm. I was far less, I, I had no idea about the TV show. I don't think I'd listened to the self-titled album in full up to that point. It was only in the years following, the few years following that uh, me and, and a friend who we used to write stuff together both really vibed with that first album and would quote it and it was just, you know, it became part of your, your regular, I don't know, vocabulary between friends and stuff. Yeah, nice. And so watching it this time, I had to, had all that kind of knowledge in my head and I was like, ooh, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah, there's that kind of like under the surface level. Yeah. There's all this other stuff. And, and I really appreciated that aspect of it, I think. Yeah, neat. Well, I'll, I'll appreciate you telling me about that aspect because that still went whoosh over my head, this, this viewing, because- yeah. I've watched a lot of Jack Black on his YouTube channel, Jablinski mm-hmm. Games, uh-huh. and the, the the running joke of that is that he doesn't really do Let's Plays, even though it's called Jablinski Games, <laughs> right. and he keeps talking about like, oh, we're going to play you know this sometime, but he just does like stupid vlogs and shit, and some of them are with his kids, but then some of them are with Kyle Gass, and when they go on tour and stuff, he shoots stuff that's like all behind the scenes and stuff. It got me more... Uh, more familiar with the Kyle Gass half of Tenacious D from watching those yeah, just nice. like vlogs and stuff where it's still very much just like they're just taking the piss the whole time and, and bantering and making dumb, silly jokes, uh, mm-hmm. which is it feels very much like the characters in this movie. So that was good because Jack Black, b- big Hollywood actor, you know, you, you you know Jack Black, the way that we talked about him in... School of Rock, where mm. he's playing, a, he's doing a good job at playing the role, but there's a lot of himself in that role, and there's, and you can feel yeah. like you are, you can see a lot of his own personality whenever he's performing. You can see his own personality sort of like coming through that performance. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I'm very very familiar with Jack Black, but this other dude, this bald dude, has been bald mm. since he was a kid. <laughs> yeah, in, in, yeah, in a sad flashback. <laughs> Here's your lunch, pumpkin. Thanks, Mom. Hey, pumpkin. What's <laughs> with the hat, dude? Your mom sewed that for you? Your mom shine that for you when you go to bed? You ball. It does like the wavy wipe. <laughs> <laughs> perfect yeah and i think kyle does a a really good job kind of not matching uh jack's fucking energy but but working with it like they have that experience of working together and and kind of crafting this shtick in a live setting where i mean you don't get to yell cut like it's far more cutthroat yeah Um, sure so they've kind of honed this dynamic and i think it really really works here it's it's consistently like i don't think kyle would necessarily make a, a great uh comedic actor in in other roles like i'm not there's probably a reason his uh, acting career hasn't taken off the way that that jacks has not to to throw shade or anything and that's kind of a, a an aspect again to talk about studio 666 that's an aspect that's kind of hard to watch uh in that movie is that dave grohl is not a fantastic actor but he's the most fantastic actor of the bunch in that movie <laughs> um it's a lot of them are really fucking hard to watch whereas kyle is like really easy to watch 
Yeah, he he's, is. He's yeah. just as easy and enjoyable to watch uh, as Jack. You know, Jack is is got this magnetism that's that's undeniable, of course. But I think Kyle holds his own. Yeah, I think he does. That's I, it's, a feat. It's not like a. It's not like a. They match each other's energy. It's like that they balance each other out. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's great as this kind of chubby, bald, unassuming <laughs> dude who just happens to be really fucking killer on on the guitar. It's like all the humor is is generally very childish, but in that childish humor, he is the straight man of the two. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. though it's dumb fart jokes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and things like that. It's not. It's not the most like you know straight kind of dry humor that you would normally get from a straight man. Like he is that the version of that. He is the equivalent of that for Tenacious D. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I love seeing them play out this like larger than life origin story for their band. It's it's so much fun. Yeah, it's 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 really creative. I love um, all of the very whenever it gets into like the fictionalization of the opening number with. Jack Black as a kid. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Yep. Oh, with some God tier cameos, Meatloaf as his dad and, yeah. and, Roddy, and literally getting Roddy James Dio to play himself on a poster is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that kid that plays young Jack Black does a really good job. He's really funny. He does too. Yeah. He's got the, like the mannerisms and the face down, down pat. Yeah. So that when they're dubbing over him, just with Jack Black's voice. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it works. <laughs> Can you imagine that kid on set having to sing Sucker Chode in the party zone? <laughs> oh, man. You think the parents were on set just like, oi, we're going to have to. Are we, is, are we bad parents? Is this going to bite us in the ass someday? Uh. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that uh, opening number is fucking fantastic. Uh, and then he gets to gets to LA. The, the fact that he's like, yep, okay, I'm going to jump out the window and like, run away from home and then you get that like classic trope of the line on the map but he's yeah. going to different hollywoods because dio told him that he needs to search for a land called hollywood but he's so he's going to all these different hollywoods yeah. And, yeah. and then when jack black finally arrives at the la real hollywood he's an adult now and it's this idea that he's been like running around for like 10 years searching yeah searching for the one Hollywood that is the the one that pops into people's minds when you say Hollywood. I didn't know there were different Hollywoods. Like, mm. are there? Is that a gag? And I think it's prob. I think it's probably. It could be true. You know, it's like you know, every every town has an Elm Street. Uh, yeah, yeah. Every every state has like a Springfield. That's why they're called um, Springfield. Like we didn't mention that from last week's episode, but like that's yep. the, the the running gag that like, oh, where is Springfield? In America, yeah, and it's yeah, like, oh, you don't yeah. know, because every every state has the Springfield. Ah, that's funny. So it's probably, there's probably lots of Hollywoods. Look, I, I didn't consider consulting a map before this podcast. I'll be honest. I'll I'll, I'll admit to that. Hey, if we have like a, a Paris, like in like Perth or something, there's like yeah. there's like an Australian Paris that isn't Paris, France. I'm sure, oh. there's, I'm sure there's a couple of... <laughs> Oh man, I wonder if anyone's ever had a had their honeymoon in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it out. And then we get that opening uh, title sequence that almost feels kind of uh, Monty Python esque. Yeah, yeah, true. It, it doesn't is. quite get into the like really, really goofy kind of stuff, but the the art style. I mean, I know they're aping on the the tarot and the stuff, tarot card thing. Yeah, again, it's really creative and uh, and consistently fun it looks like they've for the most part looked at everything gone how can we how can we have fun with with this this has to happen in the story how can we do that in the 
uh, you know, a kind of creative or goofy or self-aware way. Having Jack's first night in Hollywood interrupted by getting beaten <laughs> up by droogs for some reason. <laughs> fucking it's Clockwork so Orange gang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does look like a fucking baby. <laughs> <laughs> we baby. And they're putting on a British accent. They're not British. <laughs> yeah, it's just a very weird, weird joke. But yeah, everything, as, as weird a joke as it is, it feels very personal like in similar to school of rock how we were like this feels like it's jack black it's not there's so much yeah. of him in that character it feels like that with this and it's like these guys yeah, are totally. behind that driving force they are these creative artistic people that when they mm. make something they want to make it their own and so yeah, they're making it they're making shit that makes them laugh uh in the hopes that it'll make the people who watch it laugh and it, it does like their, their humour just lands for people. Mm. And I don't know, you watch it almost like, I think especially for, for this band, if not Jack, not so much Jack Black as a person because Jack Black does broader like acting roles. Like they're, he's in some serious dramatic stuff and you're not watching it going, oh yeah, I'm watching my mate Jack Black. Play it. <laughs> you know, he's, in, he's in Bernie. Um, like here, even the jokes that don't land, I'm smiling because I feel like I'm watching Friends, you know? Yeah, yeah. Through that kind of culty following of, of this this group you do kind of view them as your mates or you've got mates that you make similar jokes with and so you kind of give them the the, the courtesy, you know, <laughs> yeah, even if yeah. it's not hilarious. Yeah. And that plays into some of the jokes like the, uh, the cock push-up is a callback to a track on their, like a sketch on the self-titled album. It's like they they manage to work that in, and it feels like yeah, that's still that they're not just doing that because it's like remember cock pushups, like they still think that that's funny, and it's like a it's a way to bring back this goofy joke and make it plot critical. Yeah, like, yeah, I think that's really funny. They cool. understand the 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 troping of movies and that formula where you have like it's this really goofy immature shit, but then it does come back and it's like, oh no, he actually did need to learn that and it actually yeah, saved yeah. the day. And Yeah, which uh, like as juvenile and stupid as it is, that is pretty fucking great. Like that that set piece of the fucking, like especially his face like looking <laughs> down covered in sweat is yeah, just no, I fucking think, I th- hilarious. Yeah, the, the mixture of extreme close-up on Jack Black's expression is yeah, wonderful, yeah. but then also like... The, the, like, probably just fucking dildo they grabbed to yeah. push through because it's, like, the shape of it's really, really, like, it's not, it's not. I refuse to believe that Jack Black's cock is that perfect. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but then also this, like, really unrealistic underpants, like these tidy whities, yeah, but they're, they're yeah. not, like, they're not, like, pitching a tent like they would if they were real. No, it's like, no, it's it's like, like a sock <laughs> around it. Like, it's, it's, it's perfectly contoured around it. It's so funny. <laughs> Because uh, it's just like, yeah, it's a really immature joke, but then the visual of it just takes it to such an absurd level. Yeah, yeah. And they take it, they take it, like, they treat it so seriously. Like fucking Kyle back b- behind the lasers being like, you know, the cock, like the way he <laughs> says it, it's emphatic. Come on, helmet head, get it on. And that's a great way that they, they use uh, like, you know, people's general film literacy and, and knowledge of tropes and stuff in a similar way to to uh, what we talked about with The Simpsons last week. But there's also some, like, really neat, subtle ways to use the film form to tell a joke in a way that isn't laugh-out-loud funny, but you go, ah, that took time to, to coordinate. That's that's clever. Um, the bit where they're fighting over the uh, the remote before, before Kyle gets his wig knocked off 
Um, mm. He turns on the TV and there's like Godzilla or something playing and that music is is playing and gets like noticeably louder as they struggle over the remote and it, it stops once he takes the remote off him. Mm. It's almost a very like minor Edgar Wrightism, like it's one of those things. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm enjoying this movie the most during the uh, more overtly rockin' musical numbers, the the top and tail ends with Kickapoo and Beelzebos. Uh, the Master Exploder dream sequence is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Has all those like goofy gags with the hands, like uh, Kyle having three, three, four arms playing the guitars. Mm. The fucking <laughs> the the guitar that's like a pair of women's legs. Yeah, that's so hilarious. silly. It's just that like every uh, pathetic rock and roll dream. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it rolled into one, and it's still at a an open mic night, like mm. in this small kind of almost dive bar, but they've just got every light and smoke machine possible. Yeah. All that stuff's great. Uh, car Chase City is fucking wonderful. The the sequence with the um, the car chase is, is fucking fantastic. Almost rivals Blues Brothers. Yeah, I was going to say, very Blues Brothers. Stunts and the, the cutting back and forth. Yeah, very impressive stunts for, for the cars, but then also that very similar thing of like, oh, wait, they're on a... They're not on a mission from God. They're like on a mission from the devil. Like it's like, a, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's a neat blues brothersiness thing. Yeah, that, that is a neat point. I hadn't thought of that. And I love the, the cutting back and forth with Lee on the TV. And every time it cuts back to the in the car, the song keeps playing. <laughs> and it's like, it's not, um, it's not diegetic sound. It's not something on the radio. It's like just in the soundtrack. Like yeah. it's a, it's a good way of like kind of breaking the fourth wall without breaking the fourth wall over your knee. You know, yeah, true. I guess I didn't think of it like that. Bending the fourth wall. Yeah. Let's give it a little a dent. I didn't really think of it like that until you just mentioned it. But yeah, it is sort of that Edgar Wright-ism-ness where it's like, oh, let's, you know, what are we doing with this? Like, what, what's the sound going to be like in this scene? What's the editing going to be like? They actually do do a little bit of that. Yeah. It's not as um, flashy as, as your Edgar Wright version of that. No, no, by, but, um, by no means. But it's, it's definitely... But it's not as I don't know uninspired as it as it could have been. Yeah, it doesn't feel uninspired. It doesn't like like we said for the 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 caliber of this kind of film. You go, oh no, mm. that is that's a neat neat little like efforts that they put in that yeah, most totally. of these yeah. movies don't have effort put in. It feels like no, no, especially not stoner comedies because you don't <laughs> need to expend effort on stoner comedies because stoners will laugh at fucking anything. I say this as a as a as a proud stoner. <laughs> I do like the, the the premise itself is a fun idea that there's like that they're 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 struggling to like write a great song and they're like these guys what do they have that we don't and he just notices that on the they covers in front the of him it's like pick, yeah. they've all got the same guitar pick and it's like what. <laughs> it's like they all use the same guitar pick. And then going on the search for that and finding out that it's this mystical guitar pick and it's like, oh, we'll be like, we'll write our masterpiece if we get this guitar pick. So let's break into the, you know, Museum of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's a it's a very interesting premise for that kind of fun road trip journey yes. thing. Yeah, it's a very good setup for the for the for your like your road trip uh movie coming across all these different obstacles and mini adventures along the way sort of thing yeah it's the perfect framing device some fun little cameos and stuff tim robbins playing the stranger um yeah i really really like amy poehler as like the waitress at the yeah that's fucking dark man yeah (laughs) she's just she's just like 
got a black eye. They're like, how'd you get a black eye? And what did she say? That she she says uh, burnt it with a with an with a hair. That's uh, right, yeah. curler or something. Yeah, she doesn't quite go for the like I fell down the stairs stereotypical yeah, one. Yeah, but and then it's still just it's like the same oh. thing. And you're like, oh. Where's the joke? <laughs> I like I her coming back though. This, but it's <laughs> when the when the girls like, do we have to pay for all these refills? And she's like, no, you get it for free because you're so pretty. And walks off. And Carl's like, that's a really good deal. <laughs> yeah, I love. Um, also, uh, I like Ben Stiller as the dude at the. He does. He he really uh, shines in that little cameo. I think the the sideburns are very good. Yes, I don't know. There's something about Ben Stiller where it's like. I like him well enough in, in some things, but in other things I just go like, ah, oh, I can't stand. Yeah, no, I get it. I get that. I don't know what can't it is. Stand I that. feel the same. Yeah, I haven't um haven't written my thesis on it yet, so I don't have <laughs> the examples and stuff. But for here it works for me, and I don't know if it's just like they've got like the – they start with like the back of the head where he's got like the – what is it, like sting kind of hair or whatever? Yeah, 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 totally. And it's maybe implying like they're like building up to like, oh, he's going to be this like we had Dio. Who are we going to have? Who's, <laughs> who's going to be the dude at the, the music shop? Maybe also like maybe I'm just reading into that or maybe it's again that idea of like the Blues Brothers going to the, the music shop and like Ray Charles is working there. Mm. But it's like, oh, who's going to be working there? Who's going to be the next musical cameo? And it's like, oh, it's Ben Stiller <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with yeah, funny true, sideburns. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. And then- yeah. That's when that tarot card art style becomes the most Monty Python-esque because it's got that sort of animation quality to it. Yes. Yep. Where we get the backstory and that he he took six years to like translate it from Latin. And again, it's like a <laughs> stupid thing that you like, you immediately think the thing that, that Kyle says. Yeah. He's like, yeah. you could have just gotten someone to write it. And then he's like, and let him read it too. Like, yeah. he just like snaps and that's back. A good, that's a good retort because you go, hey, no, you, you, got, you got me there. For a fucking crazy metalhead person that is yeah. searching for this occult item that's, you know, legendary, I totally believe that that kind of person would, <laughs> would be that paranoid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really good stuff. And the the Tim Robbins cameo as well, uh, him playing the the stranger with the the bung leg and all is really fucking good i remember the the him with the knife being like come here what no <laughs> we're, we're not going over there like that made me laugh very hard as a kid and that still that still makes me laugh today i sort of couldn't remember the movie very well so because i'd only watched it once and so i yeah. had gotten it confused and i was like wait is he the devil is he the devil in disguise? Ah, and that's like, right. and so then I was like, oh no, he's just fucking pathetic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'll never catch me. <laughs> he starts waddling. <laughs> I think like the only bit that doesn't really work for me just because it's it feels like it's almost going through a and I don't think this is a jaded thing on their part. I think it's they love these sorts of movies. They love this, these stoner movies. But there are bits where it's almost like it's ticking boxes. It's going through yeah. the stoner movie checklist. So I you've got the, the the kind of heightened uh, comedic but very light on plot. Um, you've got very creative swearing and you've got an obligatory like tripping scene. Yes. Uh, yeah. With John C. Riley as a Sasquatch. That, that's the only part of the movie that... I kind of go, oh, okay, mm. let's let's get through this and let's get back to the stuff that that I don't know feels a, a little a little less. Uh, it sounds like a, this sounds meaner than I mean it to, but hackneyed. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I thought that's where you were going with it because that's also for me the weakest part of the film, and not only the tripping scene, but the opposite side of that Kyle's stuff where he goes to the yeah. house party is pretty just like, yeah, 
Well, it's just there so that they can have like the the falling out and then have the them coming back together. Like Kyle yeah. has to go. Oh wait, you know, I need. I dude, I totally miss you. Like Which it's sucks a, because the plot point. It's the it's less funny when they're not together. <laughs> like don't yes, split them up because yeah. yeah, no, totally. Their, their totally. chemistry is like the the absolute everything of this movie is them together. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. When Kyle doesn't have someone to be the you know his version of the straight man with he's got nothing to kind of work with there's not much comedic gold there and same with with um jack when jack black's like let off the chain and it's just him being jack black alone it's like uh, you need the you need the the straight man yeah although i will say i do like the uh break in city number just for when he gets up on the roof and he's like So like when he sees the, the camera. It's funny to think that that's what Jack Black's inner monologue is. You yeah, know? because so much of his songs feel like he's able to just like improv them and, and he's singing yeah. as he goes. It's, it yeah, is yeah, a, a yeah. funny and idea. Like, they have that during the Car Chase City. It's like it's one of the lyrics is like, these lyrics don't make sense. Oh, no, that's during the Sasquatch one. But there's a bit. Yeah, yeah there's stuff in Car Chase City as well. The one bit with the tripping balls with the Sasquatch that I do like is when they're going down... The river, the strawberry river. Yes, yeah, yes, that's the one funny. Him, like, it's just cutting really to him in the like ocean with this like howling that's like. The big- <laughs> yeah. That river is flowing so fucking violently that that's really funny. And the shot is like, it's not like uh, you don't go. Are they? It's not a close up where he's like whoa or whatever. It's a quite a wide shot, and somehow that makes it look more brutal. Yeah, no, he's it looks just really a body brutal. Floating along. Yeah, he's just rolling yeah. around, getting tossed about. Yeah, yeah, that gag, and that's the first like real joke in that that sequence, and yeah. that makes me laugh out loud. And I was hoping for more of that, but then the rest is just like, oh, he's climbing a tree. Okay, he falls out of the tree, and uh, where am I? Oh, we're here. All right, cool. We can get on with the movie. Yeah, yeah, but it's uh, again, it's like that the 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 editing and the, and the juxtaposition between the really bright, shiny. Like crappily mm. green screen strawberry, yeah. like the that they're going down on these like tire tubes, and it looks mm. really fake and shit, and it's really bright, and then it's just like snap, dead of night, and it really looks like Jack Black is about to fucking drown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. The the security guards getting stoned and Fred Armisen, I love that. I think that's really funny. Like Fred Armisen, his whole uh, like posture and persona is so like dweebish. That I yeah, love the idea yeah. of him being like. I elbow him. One guy. He's trying to punch me in the neck. Yeah. I look down and there's two guys going, I'm, we're going to punch you. So they're punching up at me. I got both elbows down like this. Pull both their hair and I made them both poke each other's eyes out. So they're both blind. There's blood everywhere. No, you didn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what are you yeah, talking about, weird. Fred Armisen? Yeah. <laughs> I like um, the uh, the other security guard uh, played by Ned Bellamy. Yeah. Him like going around having this weird like paranoid stoned rent a cop shtick, where he's like, oh, "Shoot him!" So it was self defense. <laughs> like, I'm all alone out here. Like, that stuff's funny. Yeah, that's good, and I like their them uh, like posing and then yeah, like yeah, that's that's just, like, like a tried still. and true yeah. tried and true gag. I think um the the one thing I noticed in that sequence is. We see the security, the way that sequence is shot, it's unclear uh, where the security guard yeah, is in relation like to where they are. in the room. So when Kyle and Jack fall down in the vent and stick their heads out, we've just seen the security guard turn around and we think they're in the same room. Yeah, it looks like they're like making eye contact. Yeah, exactly. So so I think that bit, you, you think you're witnessing a gag and then you wait, you're like, wait, oh, no, that's not a joke. 
they're they're not in the same room. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then you get the the them posing as mannequins and stuff. It is really confusing. But it's a little. It's a moment where the audience. I mean, I, I fucking. I don't want me to speak for everyone, but I certainly felt like a moment of confusion and then kind of disappointment that that I had to. I was taken out of the movie thinking about that, you know? No, I'd say that's a fair fair cop because I felt the same. So considering that we're the only two people on this podcast right now. You can <laughs> 100% <all> of viewers <laughs> were confused by that joke. Worst edit in the film. Worst cut. <laughs> the only thing that would improve that is just kind of establishing the geometry of the space a little better. Yeah. Just so that you clearly understand, all right, the security guy is in this room, they are in this room. We haven't seen the space up to that point. We don't know where they land and where the security dude is. Yeah. We just assume they're in the same room because that would be – that's where you assume that joke is going because they're like up there and the security guy's like, you know, haven't seen anything, you know, coming back and then goes to turn around and then the whole fucking thing comes down. Yeah, like, and then also the way that they poke their heads out their side as well. the side, you're thinking, you're thinking – Yeah, exactly. You're thinking the, the security guard is watching this happen. This stone security guard is watching this happen and then he's like, I must be tripping. And you're like, wait, what? what is happening? He's like, I heard something. You're like, wait, you're not in the same room? <laughs> uh, uh, okay, well, I guess that wasn't a joke then. Yeah. Or not the joke that we thought was being made. I don't know, it's a little confusing. No, it is. It's because, like we've said, it's uh, there that there are those little bits of extra effort to the the match cut, the Strawberry River with the yeah. that or the, like, cutting between them being in the car and, and Lee watching it on the TV yeah, yeah. That yeah, there the are those the consistency are really... things that you think yeah. like, oh, they're doing things with sound and with the, the with the cutting to yeah. match things. So then, when it does feel like the that that is actually leading you towards this thing, and then it doesn't happen, you're like, that was really odd. Yeah, it yeah, felt like they were the setting it up it, with everything. Yeah, like we've said, the rest of the way this film is shot and, and cut, it's not flashy by any means, but it's really effective. It. Mm. tells the joke the way they want it to be told. And this is the one instance where it doesn't do that. So I think it does stick out like a sore thumb. Mm. Fuck a luck a ding dong. Let's go get it. No! Lasers. They'll slice it to pieces. Sizzling. Anyway, they get the thing. We get the great cock push-up sequence. I like them doing the, the power slide out of the thing. Like all of that training coming back. Yeah, it's yeah. like very neat uh, like tried and true storytelling, but it fucking works. It's one of those things where it's it's the Simpsons thing. They they know that we understand this is how movies play out, so they they toy with that. But yeah, the power slide is funny, and then the security guards like opening fire on them, and then just being like, <laughs> "That was so cool! I've never fired yeah. a gun. I've before. never fired a gun before." <laughs> yeah, that's good. Like at first, you think that they're saying that like they thought the power slide was super cool. Yeah, 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 Maybe. exactly. And then it's just like, oh, But they fuck. were just thrilled to have <laughs> opened fire on civilians. Oh, uh, dear. Because honestly, like, how how often do you reckon those security guards actually have to do anything in the, at the Rock oh, and Roll oh, Hall absolutely. of Fame? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think that that too, like, we were talking about the, um, you mentioned earlier, this, this plot of them needing to go and get this thing and that being, like, a really fun way to set off this stoner comedy thing. Uh, I think it's a fun way to set off a stoner comedy around slacker musicians because that's that kind of procrastination of like, man, we could, we could be doing like, look at these guys playing stadiums. We could be doing that. If only we had X, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that has gone through every cunt's head at, at some point, myself included. It's like, no, it's like, my gear. If I had a better drum yeah, kit, if yeah. I had a better guitar. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That would make me a rock and roll guard. <laughs> that's it. So I think that's really fun. And so having this like, you know, break in and, and a narrow escape at the rock and roll history uh, museum is, is really fun. Mm. 
Um, and then the, the again the Tim Robbins come, character coming back in the way that we know it has to like he's given them the thing there. He's an insidious sounding character. Of course, he's going to come back and try to double cross them or you know take it from them. But undercutting that so completely by having him be so ineffectual yeah. <laughs> and get arrested is is fantastic. Them getting pulled over uh, as they you know as they're coming home um, isn't completely arbitrary either. True, that comes yes, back from the, uh, nice. the rock. When uh, Jack Black throws the rock at the car, and he's like, fuck you! Pips <laughs> the rock at him. It is, that is really it's funny. So oh, dear. I remember the, it still made me laugh here, but I remember the um, Kyle just like straight facedly like flooring it uh, when the, as the cop is like a, a, approaching the thing and, and they're just like, be cool, man. Just be cool. I haven't got anything on us. And he's just like, he doesn't even make, like look panicked and make a face and make a big deal out of it. He's just sitting there and then floors it. <laughs> like that made me laugh really hard as a kid. Still funny. They finally get back to the open mic night. And the host is there and being all nice and shit. And I like that, like, cutesy, uh, you know, Satan isn't isn't in some pick. He's in your hearts. <laughs> he's in your head. He's, he's what tells you to tell fuck you to the people you hate and all that. Like, that very uh, overtly cutesy friendship is magic kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in that scenario, in that context, makes me makes me laugh really hard. It, it always I always find it really endearing. And especially, again, with, with these two dudes, Knowing that they are, you know, friends in real life, you go along for the ride. You're like, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. And that that doesn't come out of nowhere. They set it up earlier where um, uh, Kyle buys Jack the guitar and stuff. And yeah, that's a really nice that moment. That is a too. sweet moment. And then that Beelzebub musical number is fucking awesome. It's so it's much great. fun. I love that. Like the the idea that it's like, yeah. Satan was disguised as this fucking host at an open mic night in Hollywood yeah. somewhere. Like the most fucking pathetic thing. Yeah. And then them coming back out after it was broken, they're like, no, we're the- Dude, we can still use the pick. You use one half, I'll use the other. There's still some juice in there probably. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where is that? I love that. I mean, that whole, this whole setup, this whole uh, account of their origin, I think it works. It works in a way that the open mic night host being the devil in disguise the whole time, like that's a little bit like, wait, really? In, in any other context. But here you kind of go, you can almost contextualize it as this is the band like gloating, telling this bullshit far out story. But yeah, it was de- it was the devil the whole time. Like you can imagine <laughs> the band that is in this movie telling this story. Does yeah. that make sense? It's got this kind of meta uh, bullshit narrative quality totally, to totally, it. I really yeah. like. And then yeah, it's it's the biggest best number in the in the film. I think genuinely rocks hard. It's genuinely funny. The the he's gonna rape me if we do not blow doors down. Line always makes me laugh. There's one thing about uh, that scene, though, or rather the um, the lead into that scene when they're talking about, like, you know, Satan's in your heart and all that and the boys go inside and 
as the promoter's walking over, picks up the um, the two bits of the pick and is kind of walking away, there's this piece of music that sounds like it's riffing on a a piece of music that I've heard at some point as a kid that I can't fucking pick. I can't figure out what it is. But it's like oh. this... Like it sounds like something from like the Secret Garden or something like that. Yeah, there was a there was a trailer for the Secret Garden on on um at the start of so many VHS tapes I had as a kid. A lot of like Warner Brothers yeah, uh, yeah. stuff. I'm pretty sure uh, would have that trailer in it. it. Had a piece of music in there that I'm certain they're riffing on in that moment. I didn't notice it. I'm gonna have to go back and check because like I, Dude, yeah, I, I know spent, what you mean about the Secret Garden soundtrack. That movie. I spent is like, an yeah. hour trying to find that piece of music to say it's this song by this person. I cannot find it. So if anybody <laughs> knows it, if anybody finds it. Please let me know because I'm going to have sleepless nights until I fucking find this shit. <laughs> There's my fucking white whale, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, movie movie wraps up in a, in a really fun way with the kind of uh, allusion to this being that that song, Beelzebub was the song that they wrote tribute about. Yeah, yeah. And stuff, and they, they make the bong of Tinny. It's neat that they... Um that, again, he he says the um the line that they heard from the story... From Ben Stiller's character, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because he like deflects the 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 beam with the the guitar that Kyle bought for him, and yeah, it like shoots. It his- bounces off the little JB at the bottom. Yeah. Like it's very sweet. Sweet. It knocks off his horn. He says the the line so that he gets you know chucked back into hell. From whence you came, you shall remain until you are complete again. Yeah, that's a cool line. Yeah, it is a cool line. And then instead of them having to fight over who gets to use the guitar pick, they can both just smoke the bong of Destiny. <laughs> That's it. Yep, yep. It's a, a such a, a neat and outlandish way to, I don't know, fictitiously fill in the blanks for everyone from like who didn't know what happened prior to Tribute coming out. It's like, this is that. Yeah. It's great. Like I've got, oh, we, almost, we almost forgot, I love... The idea that they both have like a shared birthmark this whole time that's on their ass. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's that's funny. Especially uh, Lee being like, guys, look. <laughs> and they put their butt cheeks they, together. They just put their butt cheeks together. Yeah, it's just uh, that kind of like fart humor has a special charm to it when it's coming from these dudes that are like fat and just like, you know, <laughs> they're not young. They're like, there's just something about it that it makes it feel funnier. Yeah, and I think it works far better than uh, in the case of like you know your epic movies or stuff like that. Oh, where yeah, easily that that stuff feels like like it, that is so hackneyed and I don't know uh, has this almost corporate lowest common denominator comedy quality to it. I don't I don't know how to describe it, but it feels gross yeah. and juvenile in in that in that case here again with the context of it being these two dudes. Uh, if you go into it with an understanding that they are friends in real life and, and a bit of knowledge of who they are and, and their shtick, it feels like you're watching mates cracking fart jokes and butt jokes and weed jokes and you, you're along for the ride. I would I would wager uh, that anybody watching this movie without any context for Tenacious D would also find it charming because I think they're genuinely endearing in their performances. Yeah, I think so too. It feels like you're they're, they're making those jokes knowing full well that it's childish and stupid, but they're making each other laugh, you know? Yeah. There's something really endearing about that. Totally. And I think that the, the like, epic movie is a good comparison as well because we've been, we've been using the comparison of, like, 
your giant silent bulb and stuff mm. this whole time. But I think that the the script is quite neat. It's 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 like creative where it needs to be and it's got the like, you know, it's got some tried and true formulas and stuff that it's not like, oh, I've never seen this before ever. But mm. it's like, oh no, yeah, you've got like you've got all the beats that you need and you've got these jokes and the callbacks to the jokes and all that stuff. Oh, that's mm. really cool. It's creative and it feels like a like a legitimate expression of themselves. And if it was a bad movie script that they couldn't fucking write anything because they were like talentless hacks, <laughs> you just need to watch one of those like epic movie or uh, whatever the other ones were. I can't remember uh, some yeah. of the other names. But yeah, no, they are fucking so disgustingly garbage. Yeah. That like, yeah, you struggle to have fun even just making fun of those movies by watching yeah, them. Yeah, some of them are just barren. Yeah. But hey, if they can just exist to make Pick a Destiny look like a masterpiece. Hey, yep. Why not? True. True. They're they're the um the the yin to to <laughs> Tenacious D's Yang, or vice versa. I don't know which which one's the good one. Or is that the idea? Is there no good one? Is it just I don't know. Doesn't yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I ain't no Buddhist. <laughs> and you mentioned uh, references. I feel like a good note to end this on because it's still so in my mind. We we spent th- uh, most of a month, uh, the better part of a month, talking about these movies. Uh, the nobody passes the uh, nobody passes the big the gig simulator the first time. Bit. <laughs> oh yes, I yeah. was like Matrix. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was cute. True. Very true. Yeah. Well, yeah, I had a, a lot of fun um, revisiting this movie and I think, yeah, got a lot of context for why this works and other movies kind of in a similar vein don't. And I, and I think, yeah, again, this movie really uh, deserves its its cult status. I think Tenacious D deserve uh, all of the varying degrees of success that they've enjoyed and, and continue to enjoy on the back of them just doing them. Undeniably, yeah, they, they deserve that. I think... I I really agree with what you said, like, at the beginning where you were saying that, like, you enjoyed it enough, like, you're not laughing the entire time, but mm. when you're not laughing, you're still, you know, you got a smile on your face. You're, you're yeah, enjoying exactly. it for the most part. And then again, like, yeah, for those people that do love Tenacious D and understand all of those, like, little references and everything as well, then mm. that's, like, gives them that extra, uh, like, extra appreciation for it where it's like, oh, yeah, no, I yeah. wouldn't... I wouldn't begrudge anyone if this was like one of their favorite films and they really loved yeah. it because they were a huge Tenacious D fan. Because like, yeah, it, it it gives you everything you want. Yeah, from absolutely. That. Like, yeah, it feels like it's it's been you know years of like letting letting fans in on the jokes, and this is a a, a massive payoff to that. I would imagine. Mm. Well, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, sharing the podcast around is incredibly helpful. We'll get our own little cult following going, won't we? <laughs> You'll receive your hoods in the mail. And if you'd like to help us out even more, you can do so monetarily by heading over to patreon.com forward slash rose tinted review. But for as little as $3 a month, you can get access to all kinds of cool perks. We got lots of shit up there and more shit coming. It's like now at now we're looking at like there's probably around like seven to eight hours of bonus content at the $3 tier. And then like another like five to six hours of bonus content on top of that at the producer tier. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I again I say it most miscellaneous most weeks. content. Oh, oh <laughs> ain't that just the best. I say it most weeks, but you've certainly spent more on less. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> 
Links for socials and all are in the description. So next week I was thinking I haven't done like a real like blind pick for a while. Ooh. ooh of something that okay. it's like, okay, I haven't fucking watched this for ages. And also going mm. like, I wanted to go back like childhood young, not like teenager sort of ooh, age. okay. Yep. So I was, um, so then th- th- I was like looking for something to fit that bill. And then this movie popped in my head and I went, fuck yeah, let's, let's check this out. I want to go back and revisit Flubber. <laughs> cool. Oh my God. I haven't watched, I, you know what? I don't think I can recall ever having watched Flubber all the way through. Wow. This was a movie I caught glimpses of on TV. I distinctly remember it being on TV one night when I was at an auntie's house and catching a bit and then having to go home. Oh my God. I, I'm not sure I... It's amazing. Save it for next week. Yeah. Uh, This is going to be, this is going to be fun. Hell yeah. Awesome. So be sure to check out Flubber in the lead up for that wonderful context for Mm. what the fuck we're talking about. If you look, if you're anywhere near as blind on this (laughs) one as we are, you're going to need it. Yeah, totally. And um, yeah, just also for you, Connor, just remember to watch it all the way through this time. Don't, yeah, don't, sure. Don't yeah, reenact no, no. the experience <laughs> by just like chucking it on repeat at, yeah, in your yeah. room, and then like randomly walking by and catching I'll go a and scene watch it here at a relative's house, and, <laughs> and uh, my parents can take me home halfway through, and I'll I'll piece, I'll piece together some thoughts. Yeah, you know, bad film, film bad as well. <laughs> yeah, that's my prediction. No, no, I'm I'm excited for this one. This will be cool. I don't think we've done a Robin Williams film. No, this far. is our first Robin Williams. Ooh, oh my god. Let's see how we go there. It might be our last. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I would say yeah. we're saving the best for last. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. We, well, we know we'll that see, there's we'll some see. there's some diehard true home runs of Robin Williams films. Yes, yes. So next week we'll find out whether or not Flubber is one of them, and we'll find <laughs> out whether or not our hindsight truly is 2020, or if we've just been wearing rose tinted glasses. Fine. Let the rock off.